Major Lindsay and Africa presents Bouncing Back, conversations about resilience for lawyers. Welcome to Bouncing Back, Resilience for Lawyers. This podcast is brought to you by Major Lindsay and Africa, the global leader in legal search and consulting. I'm your host, Rebecca Glatzer. I'm a managing director in the associate practice group at Major Lindsay and Africa. In this podcast, I'll speak to successful professionals about the hiccups, bumps, bruises, and setbacks they've experienced in their careers and personal lives, and how they ultimately bounce back from those experiences to thrive. Today, my guest is Colin Wright. Colin works as a senior in-house intellectual property product and technology counsel for software and high-tech companies. He holds his bachelor's in electrical engineering from Georgia Tech and worked as a software engineer before attending law school at the University of Georgia. Initially working as a patent lawyer with various IP boutique law firms, Colin went in-house as the first IP counsel to work for Citrix Systems. He went on to work in intellectual property, compliance, and technology in-house roles with McKesson, Change Healthcare, and Landis and Gear, and most recently served as lead product counsel for San Francisco software company Twilio. Colin and his husband, Hobie, recently relocated from Atlanta, Georgia to Palm Springs, California to be closer to family. Colin is currently practicing his resilience, performing a job search following a 17% company-wide layoff at Twilio, February of 2023. Colin, thank you for being my guest today. Thank you, Rebecca. This is uh, it's a tough time, but uh, things are looking up, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, in a prior conversation, you and I spoke about the fact that uh, making the move from law firm to in-house was somewhat of a relief to you because you felt that being an associated law firm wasn't a good fit. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, like a lot of people in law school, I uh, was focused on getting a, you know, a good paying law firm job. Um, that's obviously not the only thing you can do, but that's what I was looking for. Um, and I was specifically looking for patent law jobs because I had an engineering degree and I was therefore eligible to sit for the patent bar exam. Um, and so early on, I um, got jobs, summer jobs with law firms in both Atlanta and in D.C. Um, and that was both summers, one L and two L summers. So I had paying gigs. Uh, which at the time was not uh, super common, especially for 1L summer. Um, and so I was very happy with the way the way things were going. And I thought that uh, law firm practice would be great. I enjoyed patent law. Um, but when I actually got to a law firm, uh, the, the pressure of the billable hour was really, really um, uh, not as much fun as I thought it would be. <laughs> um, I actually, I've actually worked at a startup um, prior to law school, my, my last job where I'd had to work like 80 hour weeks, uh, for, for months at a time. And so I wasn't afraid of the hard work I'd done it. And so that wasn't the, the thing for me. It was more, um, patent prosecution specifically was very focused on you and a stack of work. So you get through one application and then you just have another one sitting there waiting for you. You'd occasionally get to have phone calls with inventors, but for the most part, it was a relatively solitary way of working. And that didn't work with my personality. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a social guy. I like to 
get out and meet people. And I just wasn't finding that at law at the, at the law firms. And um, for numerous reasons, I ended up working for three firms in three years. Um, I swear that all the reasons are good why I moved from one firm to the next. Um, but ultimately, I think the, the fact that I was moving was a sign of my uncomfortableness with that situation. Absolutely. And did you have an inkling that this might be the case, you know, when you were summering or was it, you know, sort of the, the high flying days of uh, going, <laughs> going to Atlanta Braves baseball games and like eating at the best places in town and there was very little work done or is that um, inaccurate? No, 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 no. I, I don't feel like I was fooled at all. And in fact, um, my summer experiences were not like that. I worked for IP boutiques, which tend to be a little bit more conservative or at least not as high flying as you put it um so my summers there were fun activities but it was much more about learning the work and doing the work um so it's it was not necessarily the work itself as much as it was just the volume and oppressiveness of the stack of work if, as i put it so yes yes and as um colin is a friend for the listening audience and he is definitely a people person so i can imagine that this was not a good fit for you. I, I'm just it, envisioning you at a desk with like this pile of papers that like goes to the ceiling and you like finish one thing and then it slightly drops and you pull the next one. And I guess it was kind of like that uh, in that way. And, no, that's right. And then and then when I you know was at my third firm in three years, um, I actually was really happy at the third firm. Um, I wasn't, I was on a reduced hours, which actually helped for me, um, but uh, I, I was also seriously considering going back into software development, leaving law altogether. Mm -hmm. I was, it was, it was just that bad for me, or at least it wasn't working for me the way I wanted it to. Um, and I actually got a recruiter call to go and be an in-house IP counsel for a software company uh, based in South Florida. That's all I knew at the time. I later found out it was Citrix, um, and um, it was an in-house gig, and. I hadn't really seriously looked at in-house as an option. At the time, there were not as many in-house um, jobs as there are now. And so I, yeah, I, I ended up going and taking the call, had a great connection with my boss, my future boss, uh, and ended up moving to Fort Lauderdale for this job. And, and literally, I, I tell people, it saved the profession for me. For me, in-house was exactly what I needed. It felt a lot more like an engineering job, like I'd had prior to law school, um, which I didn't hate, by the way. I went to law school just because I wanted to do something different. But but that feeling of being part of a team working for a single client and, and, and being able to see an issue from beginning to end and not just for that short period where the outside counsel was brought in, um, it just, for me, felt uh, like a, a much better situation. And I could also be much more engaging and social um, and, and that worked to my benefit because of working in-house, having an in-house network of people to talk to and who can answer questions for you was a key part of the job. So, so it just, it was a better fit for my skill set. I could still use those patent skills, um, but I also got a chance to use the other parts of my personality. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Were there any growing pains? You know, was it a completely smooth transition or were there any uh, hiccups in that move to Citrix? Um... So, so, so the move, the, the growing pains came in the fact that I didn't like Florida, um, which is not an insult to people and listeners in Florida. It just for me, um, at Fort Lauderdale just didn't, didn't, um, it didn't have what we were looking for socially. Um, so ended up 
finding another job after about, I was there for three and a half years and went and found a job with McKesson, which is a large healthcare company. At the time, they had a large technology group at, based in Atlanta. So I moved back to Atlanta, back to McKesson and uh, kept doing IP work at the time. And, and that was just, that was, that was great. So there, there, there were hiccups okay. with in-house, but it had nothing to do with in-house. It had to do with sort of the other stuff in my life. Gotcha. That makes total, total and complete sense. How did you find the McKesson job? Was that also a recruiter or was that some other method? Good, great question, because I'm going to use this again when I get to, you know, the 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 pivot point in my life when I got laid off in a, in a later instance. But no, with McKesson, um, I had I was liking working with for Citrix itself. We didn't like Florida. I had actually um, gotten permission to remote my job from uh, Florida back to Atlanta. I was going to have to pay for the move myself and um, and all that, but I was um, I was in a much going to be in a much better situation for me. Um, at the time that I'd made that decision, I told literally two connections in Atlanta, two friends, "Hey, if you hear about any in-house jobs in Atlanta, let me know." Um, like I said, there weren't as many in-house jobs then as there are now. I wasn't. I didn't actually think that those would turn into anything, but as it turned out, uh, one of the people I told was a was in-house counsel at um, uh, I think it was Procter and Gamble, and uh, she knew somebody who had been working at Citrix, sorry, at McKesson as their IP counsel, and he was hiring a new IP counsel, and mm. um, so it was a it was a friend of a friend kind of a situation. Um, I interviewed. It was it was it was it was fortuitous. Um, and uh, it, it ended up being a fantastic job, fantastic opportunity for a number of reasons. Um, and, and again, I clicked really well with my boss at Citrix. I ended up clicking again really well with my boss at uh, at McKesson. And so I think that that strong personal connection is what really um, got me the job initially, if that makes sense. No, that's fantastic. I, I see yeah. all the associates in particular all the time, network, 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 find out, find some time in your life to network. Um, yeah. and that may be as simple as spending more time with your law school buddies and you know finding out what they're doing and what they're up to these days. Um, you know, all of that is, is good stuff. Colin, yep. you are currently working through a layoff from Twilio, and unfortunately, I know this is not the first time you have been in this situation. Um, can you tell <laughs> us a little bit about that? Unfortunately, can you tell us about yeah. the first time this happened? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so I have been at McKesson for. Um, uh, I guess about seven years when McKesson spun off a portion of its technology business uh, and created a new company called Change Healthcare. Um, so my office didn't move, the people around me didn't change, but the name of the door changed from McKesson to Change Healthcare. Uh, and I was in a new role there, um, uh, actually working in cybersecurity. I was doing a cybersecurity council. Um, and the, the work was really interesting, a very dynamic company. We had been purchased sorry, Change Healthcare had been purchased by private equity. Um, and unfortunately, private equity tends to rule uh, with, a, with a, a little bit of a, a harsh um, uh, process where cuts and layoffs are part of the, the, the job. And, uh, and after about a year and a half with Change Healthcare, I was a part of a 15% layoff from the law department. Um, and so it was, shocking at the time and i think psychologically was really difficult um and and i think for the for the lawyers who are listening i, I tend to think that lawyers have the attitude that there is one path to success as a lawyer 
And the moment you get knocked off that path, it, it can really become an identity crisis for a lot of lawyers of like, who am I? What am I doing? Am I bad at this? And um, I, I think those moments um, are, are difficult, but I think they can help open up all new possibilities, right? So um, in my case, it wasn't an all new possibility, but um, I definitely spent a few weeks after the initial layoff announcement, uh, kind of feeling my feelings and dealing with that. Um, but the one thing that I, and, and Rebecca, you know this about me, I, I do, I, I tend to be an inveterate net, networker um, and not for any purpose as much as I just like meeting people and talking to people. So um, I started uh, scheduling breakfasts and lunches um, to catch up with people that I'd lost touch with or that I hadn't talked to in a while. Um, almost all lawyers, but I didn't limit it to just lawyers. I, you know, I just would really use it as an opportunity to reconnect with folks that I've lost touch with. Um, and that ended up being uh, a key part of my strategy that I hadn't even necessarily thought through um, uh, to get my next job. Um, it, for me also, it got me uh, up in the morning, showered and out of the house. Um, which, which frankly, for my husband was important. <laughs> um, my, my, my husband spent a lot of time working from home at the time. And um, a, 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 a Colin, Colin who isn't working becomes very distracting <laughs> to other people <laughs> around. <laughs> and so, so I, um, I, I would get out of the house by going on these, you know, just catch up lunches and catch up uh, breakfasts and, um, by doing that, it, it helped me with a bunch of several things. One, it got me reconnected to those friends, which was fantastic. Um, it got me talking with them about my work situation and about what they were seeing going on more broadly in, in industry generally and in the specific um, parts of the law that I was working in. Um, and so those conversations really helped crystallize for me where I should be focusing my efforts and my job search. Um, but they were also planting lots of little seeds with the people that I was talking to and as it turned out, the next job that I got after Change Healthcare was with Landis and Gear as their um, their chief IP counsel, um, and I got that job because a breakfast that I'd had a few weeks after I'd gotten laid off with a lawyer at a law firm. Um, that lawyer had received an email from the general counsel at Landis and Gear, stating that uh, they their IP counsel had just left and they were looking for somebody. That, that general counsel only sent that email to three people. Um, and it just so happened to be one of the people that I had um, told I was looking for IP work. Um, and so uh, Daniel Sinaway, I'll give you his name, Morse, Morse Manning, um, forwarded my name. And uh, and I, within about two months, I was working at Lansing VR. I mean, it, it, it worked out perfectly. It wasn't why I'd gone to breakfast specifically with Daniel. I, I really was just trying to get caught up with someone. But in the end, that's what it got, helped give me the job. Now, I should say, I also, um, w one of the great things that I got from Change Healthcare when I did get laid off is one, I got several months of severance, so I didn't feel rushed too much. Um, and I'd also gotten an outplacement program. Um, and it was a really good outplacement program that included uh, going to an office. This was pre-COVID, going to one of their offices and actually doing classes on LinkedIn and resume building and that kind of thing. But also they had a weekly, what I'll call an accountability meeting where you were actually paired with a group of about 10 other people who were looking for work. It was 
almost kind of like a support group, um, like like Alcoholics Anonymous or something, <laughs> except for people who had, had lost their jobs. And, yeah. and so uh, so this weekly group um, just gave me, a, a, again, another reason to get out of bed, get out of the house, and then go and talk to people who are in a similar situation. And it helped really remove the shame and the um, and the negative feelings that you were getting and just just helped you figure out some of the, your tactics and because you were hearing what other people were seeing, what was working for them. And, and so you could sort of duplicate that. Um, and um, so, yeah, I, I think between this, you know, getting out of the house for meetings uh, at, at, at the outplacement company, going to, to breakfast and lunch with friends, I really, um, uh, I used the job search as a time to sort of figure out what was next for me and it, it all kind of fell in place. No, that's that's wonderful. And there's just um, so many takeaways from your story, Colin. I mean, for me, this idea that number one, you know, you do have to give yourself some time to like lick your wounds, right? Uh, I found myself doing that when I was making the transition from lawyering to being a recruiter. I think I was having an identity crisis. Uh, I totally. was the sort of, you know, I invested all this money and time and effort and um, what am I doing with myself? So you, you've got to give some, yourself a little bit of space and grace for that, um, for people who are, you know, might also be in this situation right now. But also this idea of networking and kind of forcing yourself to talk to other humans um, instead of staying in the house. And also networking before you need the network, um, I think is a really key takeaway from what you're saying, because um, it takes time to build up a network. Um, it takes time to get to know people to the point where they may be willing to stick their neck out for you and give you offers and, and, and do something beyond just like, oh, I heard that this entity is looking. Um, it sounds like there was, you know, a, a nice little synergy between that email that the partner at Morris Manning got and you and you right. right there and you're yeah. the perfect. And, and let, and, and, let, and let, let me say that it, it didn't, I, I totally agree with you that, that building up the network beforehand was important. And, and that for me, and, and I, you know, I, I, social media is a, is a good thing and a bad thing, but I tell you, for me, LinkedIn was invaluable um, because it, even when I just met per, people one time, um, I would, I would almost always reach out and connect to them on LinkedIn um, because at some point that might come back and help. And I'll be honest with you, with Daniel in particular, Daniel and I had several connections. Um, we'd both gone to Georgia Tech undergrad and Georgia for law school. And so there were definitely some connections there, but he and I had never really spent more than maybe an hour talking to each other prior to me inviting him to breakfast. Um, so it, it, it definitely, don't be afraid to reach out to someone who you may only have a distant link to just to say, hey, you know, I'm I'm on that job search, but I'd love to just go and hear more about what you do. You know, don't say I need you to help me find a job right out of the gate, because um, that's really not why you're what you're doing. You're just you're learning more about them and what they're doing, and 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 maybe finding that synergy. And another thing to say is a lot of people hate the word networking, um, and I don't consider what I was doing there as networking so much as it was just having one-on-one -on -one conversations with people that I had a connection with. Um, because networking sounds like going to like bar events and 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 just talking to a whole bunch of people. And and if you're good at that, great, go do it. I think that's great. But I do think that these one-on-one -on -one conversations were much more valuable than talking to someone for two minutes with a drink in your hand at a bar event. 
Um, so, so I think networking is the right word, but it's the broader sense of networking of not just going to, to quote unquote networking events. Definitely. And I think too, um, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this when I'm giving advice to more junior attorneys about this, you know, I say that then don't <clears throat> approach it as like, what can you, the person I'm reaching out to do for me, right? You know, you come at it with a sense of curiosity. I mean, for one thing, people just generally like to talk about themselves. So things like, yep. how did you go in house? How did that work for you? You know, what was the path, um, you know, is, is one way to sort of approach it if that's what you're, you know, curious about, or if it's about finding a job, you could say things like, you know, what are you seeing in the market? Uh, you know, what what's exactly. your philosophy on hiring? these days or you know do you see any changes occurring or how big is your summer class or whatever um and then on top of it be thinking about how you might in some small way benefit the other person and it could be as simple as like i remember one time when i was a lot younger like um, connecting someone to a dog walker because that's what they needed at the moment it wasn't you know I, this was a partner i was talking to and i didn't feel like i had anything really of great value to give them, but something as simple as providing them the name of a really good dog walker made their day. Um, and that's free. It doesn't cost you anything, just your time and kind of thinking through how you might assist that other person. That's right. That's right. I know. I think that's great. I, I, I really tried to go into these conversations agenda free. They know why you're there, right? And so at some point they'll say, so what are you looking for? And the conversation will go there. But I think focusing the conversation on, on what they're seeing, what they're doing, where, how they got to where they are, I think that's exactly right, that that that, that should be the focus of what you're doing. The, the, the job search portions of the conversation will come. And even if they don't, you've reminded that person that you're out there looking just by yeah. being there. Yes. And you're making it, you're, you're, you're creating a, a sticky connection that the next time something pops that they think you might, might help you in some way, they'll think of you. So. Absolutely. That's exactly right. You'll, you'll come to mind first. So how did you end up finding the most recent job, the job at Twilio? Yeah, so um, so we're talking a lot about networking. Literally, virtually almost every job I got was through some kind of a networking. Um, there was the recruiter call for Citrix, so that was not, that, that does kind of break that mold. This one broke the mold, too, because it was a resume drop. I literally submitted online for a job. Um, I had moved to California. Uh, to be closer to my family, as you, as you noted in my intro. And um, my job with Landis and Gear, uh, my boss was the general counsel who was working in Switzerland. And the time difference just ended up killing us. Um, I could have kept on that job for many more years, I think. I think I was, I was getting a lot out of it, adding value. Um, but just the, the realities of trying to do a 3.30 a.m. staff meeting, as it turned out, in California time, was didn't didn't work for me so i started looking online for re remote jobs i was working that job remotely with the move to california i went fully fully remote um and at the time this was right in the middle of the pandemic there were lots of remote jobs out there uh i it's hard to do a full-blown job search when you've got a full-time job and so i wasn't doing my whole networking thing and everything i was just sort of passively looking for what could be next i saw the the twilio job posting on linkedin I submitted online and this is the first time I've submitted online and I got a call um, and it was pretty quickly actually. Um, and as it turned out, uh, my boss at Twilio um, saw my resume and um, 
saw that I'd worked at McKesson and she knew several lawyers from McKesson herself. Um, and so having that connection of the, you know, a, a, an employer that she recognized uh, worked out to be the reason why she pulled my resume out of the stack and, and called me back. Um, so we ended up having actually a lot of connections. It worked, it, it was, a, again, I, I've always had good relationships with my bosses. Um, and, and, and I did, Rachel was no exception. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was there for 15 months um, in a product council role, which was a little bit of a shift for me. Um, we could probably talk about that just real quick, just to say, um, although I was an IP lawyer primarily, um, I did take some side trips. I was at I was at McKesson and Change Healthcare for a total of eight and a half years, and I went into a regulatory role. I actually went into a standards evangelism role, where I was evangelizing standards within our engineering teams. Um, so I took a couple of sort of legal adjacent jobs, and um, that kind of satisfied some curiosities and, and just kept me learning, kept things different. Um, and so when I went to Twilio, uh, it was for a product council role, which is not per se IP, but a lot of IP lawyers will end up in these roles because you're working with the same groups of people that primarily product management and engineering at an, at an in-house company um, when you're a product council, which basically means you're the lawyer for these teams that does everything except for IP, which in the case of Twilio, there already was an IP team who I worked with very well. We actually uh, referred a lot of work back and forth to each other, um, but um, it was it was kind of a chance to step out and try something a little different uh, when I went there. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say, you know, what advice would you have to folks that you know are interested in doing something a little bit different or tan tangential to or adjacent to what they're doing, but they're not actually doing it, um, whether they yeah. be on the law firm or the in-house side? Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think there. I think there's a lot of answers to that question, right? And I think what I'll do is I'll give the one that worked for me. Um, by going to a large employer like McKesson, uh, I was able to change jobs without changing my employer. Um, and I can't tell you how much value there was in that because it allowed me the flexibility to try new things. And and I was a known quantity there, so they were willing to take a chance putting me in a regulatory non-lawyer non role um, uh, because they knew my work and they knew what I was capable of and because I knew the company and that that was important for those jobs. So, so um, I think if you aren't sure you're gonna love what you're doing in an in-house job or you're thinking there might be multiple things that you might wanna do at a company, I say go take the job that gets you in the door but, but realize that once you're in the door to an employer, you can move around and do other things. Um, I've known lawyers who are in-house lawyers who've gone on to become heads of HR um, or who actually go on to lead uh, business operations uh, for, for groups outside the law department. So I, I, I do think that there's value in going to an employer who's large enough to where you could potentially move around within that company um, and without necessarily feeling like you're taking a full-on leap to something completely different and, and maybe taking a pay cut because of it. So Yeah, yeah. or looking to jump. I think that's great advice, Colin, um, that said that maybe go to a larger office and you can do some of that. Well, um, as, as you know, the theme of this podcast is resilience. And I think 
um, you're assorted in various moves and also know, know, knowing you personally, um, I consider you a very resilient person. And I am curious to know where the strength or knowledge or assistance or help to be resilient comes from for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so. So I mean, I mentioned my husband, I, I'm gay. And I think that has been a major theme in my life. And I think um, as a child, I was a pretty miserable kid for a long time when I first realized it. Um, and for me, um, sort of dwelling in that misery, um, there, there's a time for that. But I think at some point I just got fed up with myself um, <laughs> and just kind of decided to push forward and, and push myself into an uncomfortable space. Um, so the resilience for me really came from that experience, knowing that, you know, even thing, when things are dark, you can, you can change your situation, you can change your environment, you can move across the country, you can do whatever it, it, it takes. Um, it's not always easy or obvious, but being unafraid to, to, to take a leap, um, for me was something that I learned out of just necessity. I think it, I think I'd be a much different person if I hadn't sort of broken out and, and tried to make new friends and just try to change my, my, my situation when I was just really sad at the time. So, um, but I, th I think how do, how do to, to try and turn that into something for a broader audience, where do you learn resilience? I, I do think sometimes just forcing yourself into slightly uncomfortable situations um, is, is the place to start. It, it's, it's not always easy. Um, I do I do take a lot of comfort in my life from a family who's very focused on me and 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 my happiness. Um, I, my, I've got parents who've been wonderful at every step of the, of, of of my development um, and have been unconditional. So I take a lot of strength in that. Not all of us have that advantage, but I do think um, you know, especially in the the gay and lesbian community, we talk about families of choice. You know, there's the family you're born with, but then there's the family that you choose. It doesn't have to be your parents, right? It can be the, your best friend or the other people in your life who care about you, who by creating that sort of safety net for you and giving you the space to maybe take the leap that is a little scary. Um, to me, that's that was everything. And um, I, I'm real fortunate that now that I'm in Southern California, I can actually be close to my family again and and strengthen that that safety net for me and frankly for them too so no this is that's great that's awesome and yeah you, you are fortunate i know lots of, of folks uh lgbtq folks that don't have that soft place to land so it's that's amazing and awesome yeah kudos to them and to you um in that regard well for time i have one more question for you colin um you know, the last few years, needless to say, have been extremely difficult for everyone due to COVID, the murder of George Floyd, a myriad of other world events, and a lot of upheaval in the legal profession. Um, you know, we've seen mm. and layoffs and contractions and expansions and all sorts of things. You know, what advice would you give newly minted attorneys who may have not been in the workforce before and have not experienced this kind of tumult in their personal and professional lives before? Yeah, I, I think um, so. It 
that's that's a really big question. Um, I, I, so I, I think being I'm going to go back to that sort of being unafraid to take a leap and doing something that may not be exactly what you want to do. Um, I, work is only one aspect of your life, and so taking a job that doesn't feel perfect doesn't mean that you're in the wrong space or that you're that you haven't figured it out because um, you probably haven't figured it out and that's okay because um, by 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 trying to get the perfect job um, there is no perfect job and so if you just look at a job as a, a chance to learn something new that may or may not end up being the rest of your career then you know take it take whatever job is in front of you it may not be the job that you wanted but if you can make it work, um, that can always turn into other things that, that may be closer to what you think you want. And sometimes you find out that what you thought you wanted isn't actually what you wanted. So mm -hmm. um, I think I think getting an, a job, any job, sometimes is fine. Um, and so if you've got the ability to wait for the perfect job, um, maybe you're financially secure or otherwise, then more power to you, um, go, go for it. I didn't have that ability but i've just managed to be able to take jobs that looked interesting and even within those jobs um kind of spread my wings and try other things uh, along the way so um yeah just just being a little unafraid to to do the thing that may not be exactly what you thought you were going to do absolutely take risks agreed yeah well yeah. Colin, i just want to thank you so much for giving me your time and being so open and honest with me and our listeners today I know that they will get a lot out of this conversation. I've gotten a lot out of this conversation and I sincerely appreciate your time. Uh, this was great, Rebecca. And I always love talking to you and uh, I think it's great that you're doing this podcast because I think this is a, a really important topic. Absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bouncing Back, resilience for lawyers. Join us next time for another story about thriving after overcoming challenges. You can find Bouncing Back and other programming for lawyers on MLA's Legal Talk Network.